Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. Today is Thursday, July 8th. I'm Mike A-Race with the usual suspects here, Jacob Myers, our Columbus Dispatch crew beat writer, and the striker, Kyle Robertson, at the controls, uh, as he usually is. If out of control, at least at the controls, uh, Patrick Flaherty, the podfather. Gentlemen, let's get right into it. The crew, after winning three in a row, is 0-1-2 in their last three. So, you know, 3-1-2 in their last six with a lot going on. They're hanging in there all in all, not too bad, um, but not uh, not dominant by any means. Just kind of hanging in there. Is that fair to say, Jacob? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Certainly the last six games, I think their attack has been better. Now it's just getting those moments right in third. I think you've kind of seen some progress. Now it's kind of getting that final piece. So it's uh, the last three games, um, they lost at Philadelphia 1-0. They had a scoreless draw at Austin in that crazy game down in the new Queso 2 Stadium. And uh, they opened lower.com field on uh, – was it Saturday or Sunday? I'm getting my days mixed up. It, it, was, it was Saturday. It was Saturday. Uh, could Saturday. not have asked for a more exciting game. You were there, Mike. We'll talk about it. But that was Saturday, Saturday the 3rd of July with 2-2 draw against New England. Uh, bad news is New England scored the first two goals uh, in the new Crew Stadium. Good news, Crew showed uh, showed a lot of resilience. They came back um, uh, and, and scored twice. Should have had one in stoppage time for the win. Um, but it was a heck of a game, a great atmosphere, and the crew on the field dominated. Kyle, fair to say you were there shooting and up close and personal. Yeah, well, I think the I think they dominated the second half. I wouldn't say they they, they dominated the first half, but uh, I, yes. I I would. <laughs> you would? All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if you dominate and give up two goals though. Can you dominate and give up two? Yes, they did. <laughs> That's exactly what they did. I think Jacob break the tie here. At the first 10 minutes, certainly, I think you could have said the crew should have been up 2-0, if not 3-0, by the time that New England got that first goal. I, I totally get what Kyle's saying. I, I think they were just as good in the first half, oh, maybe better in the first half, honestly, than the second half. Certainly, de- defensively, they got better in the second half. And like you said, Mike, they probably should have won. But I, I disagreed with uh, Porter's characterization. They said they battered them, but... I think they were very, very good and clearly the better team. Okay. All semantics. It turned out to be a tie. Um, and so now the crew is in ninth place in the East uh, with 16 points, um, which is the same number as seventh place DC United, just above the bar, but uh, on tiebreakers. Seventh place DC, the playoff bar, then New York Red Bulls, 16 points, and the crew with 16 points. Um, DC's plus three, Red Bulls are plus two, crew was plus two. So uh, just a, the quick season recap, 11 games played, they're 4-3-4. Four, 11 goals for, 9 against, plus 2. 3-0-2 and two at home, 1-3-2 and two away. <clears throat> and now, uh, today, as we record, is uh, Thursday, the uh, 8th of July. Tomorrow, um, the 9th, the crew plays at the new Cincinnati Stadium, uh, rejoining the Hell is Real Derby. Or, Kyle, you can say Derby if you want to sound like an effete uh, uh, European soccer fan. You want to no. say Derby? No, you're 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 the smart person. You can say it. Rivalry, <laughs> it is. Okay, we'll just call it a rivalry. How about that? So the hell is real rivalry rejoined tomorrow evening at the TQL Field on the west in the West End of Cincinnati, and 
You know, let's get into that a little bit, Jacob, because now it's Gold Cup month. And on top of injuries, there's there's a lot of players who will be away representing their national teams. Um, uh, tell us what Caleb is facing in terms of his, of his roster problems and how yeah. he intends to fix them. Yeah, I, I mean, let's start with Bradley Wright Phillips was going to be the guy coming in here when Jossie Zardes is out, going to be that starter in places Zardes. He'll be gone through, I would assume, August 1st, which is the Gold Cup final. I would assume the U.S., gets that far. That's not a given, but uh, so BWP was going to be the guy during the stretch and he's hurt. Uh, he's questionable right now, but if he's out, they only have 15 non goalkeepers available for this match. So there are 11 players out, six of which are in the gold cup. I'll just list them real quick. It's Zardes, Luis Diaz, Kevin Molino, Derek Etienne Jr., Liam Frazier and Aloy Room. So you have three of their five wingers on the roster are out. There's mm-hmm. only Pedro Santos and Alex Matan there. Marlon Harrison can play that, but he's kind of needed in the midfield as well because Liam Frazier is out. Perry Kitchen is coming back in. Aiden Morris is obviously out. So is our uh, then Josh Williams. Milton Valenzuela is out four to six weeks with a hamstring injury. He suffered in the first half against New England. I'm trying to think if I, I think that about covers it. Porter yeah, said BWP Morris, would but... be back uh, next week. It sounds like he might get some minutes against New York City, but I, I just don't see how they can't get a forward here in the next few days now that the uh, transfer market is open. Just a third option guy to kind of, I guess, seal any wounds here that might fester over this next month. So can you can you even uh, offer uh, your projection of a starting 11 for tomorrow? Yeah, I, I, I can try. Uh, it, that's if they start Miguel Berry, who's played all of one minute in his MLS career. And I, I don't know if that's a given, but let's just say he starts it forward. You have Santos on the left, I would assume, maybe the right, either or. Then Matan on the other wing, Lucas Elorayon, Darlington Nagby, probably Marston since he started last game. I thought he played pretty well as well. Uh, then you have Waylon Francis, Mensa, Warmhore, Harrison Awful, and Evan Bush. So the starting group isn't bad. It's just that forward spot, and then you don't really have any attacking subs you can bring on late in the game when you might need to. So the players involved in the Gold Cup artist, the U.S., Eloy Room with Curacao, uh, Bolino with Trinidad and Tobago, ATN Jr. with Haiti, uh, Liam Fraser at Canada, Luis Diaz with Costa Rica. I mean – it could be that U.S., the U.S. or even Canada makes a deep run in this in this tournament. Um, uh, I don't know how Costa Rica is this year. They, they can be um, a, a player. But, I mean, th- there's some hope that uh, some of these players will be drawing back in as their teams are elim- eliminated over the course of the month. Still, it's quite a juggling act. Kyle, how about Cincinnati? Um, what, can you give us a quick preview of this game, uh, how it might look? There have been some um, – you know, these, these games have been, um, I mean, two of the last three, the crew just beat them down. Um, in the last game, uh, which was uh, last October, um, the crew lost two to one at Nippert Stadium. Um, that was the last time the Hell is Real rivalry was had. Um, now we come into this game, Cincinnati's 12th in the East um, with, with 11 points and a, and a negative eight goal differential. Uh, what might we, we see down there? We're going to see, I know you're going to see a crew team a la New England that wants to right. um, 
uh, uh, you know, spoil things in the new stadium, although, you know, this isn't the opening of the stadium. Um, by the same token, you're, you're going to have a Cincinnati team fired up, smelling blood and sensing a weaker opponent. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think the crew has it, you know, um, you know, obviously with the, the, the players that they're missing, but I mean, I, I you know, I, I think the crew, you know, the foundations there, the backbone down the middle is going to be there besides the Ford, you know, uh, up top. But I mean, I, you know, um, you know, Cincinnati hasn't been quite in form, I would think, in the last, you know, five or six games. You know, they are sitting, like you said, 12th place in the in the east. So, I mean, uh, you know, I expect it probably be a close game, but I really think the crew can kind of, you know, pull it out with the, you know, uh, with the, the star players that they do have. Jacob? Yeah, since he's coming in in pretty good form, they've won two and had a tie in three straight road games. So I think this is probably the best form they've been in since they entered the league. Uh, they are not missing as many players as the crew are missing. Alan Cruz and Ronald Matarita, who is their assist leader, are out with Costa Rica. Then they have Zico Bailey, Kelvin Harris, and uh, Mikel Vanderberg, who's uh, all, they're all out. But that's five guys compared to uh, 11 they still have some key players for them up top and in the midfield. I, I just see if the crew want to get points out of this, which I think a draw would be a very solid result. Just given since he hasn't won in their new stadium yet, they're going to want to win a rivalry game. They're coming in in good form and the crew is missing so many players. A draw would be solid, but if they want to take all three points, they're going to have to score first. They, they need to get out to a good start like, New England did. And I think the crew still has a defense that can shut down a game late. So I think that's kind of the recipe if they want to come away with their second road win of the year. Yeah. I'm, have, have either of you guys, have you been to the stadium or been by it down in Cincinnati? I have not. I, I went down for a Cubs Reds game back in May and I didn't get a chance to drive by it. Um, I, talking to Pat Brennan at the Inquirer there, he's certainly a fan of it from what I've uh, gathered it doesn't maybe have all the bells and whistles of lower.com field, but you know, another top notch stadium stadium in MLS. Um, you know, I want to get back to this difficult stretch with, with the gold cup and the injuries, uh, Jacob, um, four games in 16 days. It seems like there hasn't been any time to breathe for the crew. Um, as Caleb talked about he's, how he's handling a team. Uh, I know he was asked about, uh, all the sort of off-field uh, stuff going on that that heightened everything on the field, like closing the old Crew Stadium, playing at Austin, and uh, opening the new Crew Stadium. Um, a lot of stuff going on there, but man, there's no rest uh, at Cincinnati on Friday. Um, they got two home games after that at at the new stadium, um, New York City FC on the 17th, and uh, Nashville on the 21st, and then at Atlanta on the 24th. And who knows how many guys will be missing throughout. Uh, what's what's Caleb Porter and, and what are the players talking about right now as they look ahead? Yeah, I think they're very realistic. I think Porter's very realistic looking at this stretch of games. If you just look at the next month or so, six games here, I think 500 would be a really solid record for them because then you still have half your season left. Hopefully no one else picks up an injury over that stretch. Molino starts to get more comfortable playing next to Lucas Elrayon and some others. I think you look at the back half of the schedule and think, okay, we as long as the crew stays in a good spot, they can really climb the table. Certainly, with more home games here in this latter 
uh, half of the season. But, you know, those two home games, Nashville, New York City, are, are not easy games uh, by any stretch. But, I mean, the, I think the team is looking at this like, look, they still have quality players. And Nagby, Zellerayon, and certainly Jonathan Mensa to get some points. They need to improve offensively, but I still think they're going to carry a lot of confidence with them, even with some players out. And if they manage this well, it, it could really benefit them in the stretch run toward the end of the year. So I think they're realistic, but at the same time, I do think this is an opportunity to gain, I guess, more confidence knowing that they have guys out. Well, Montreal is fourth in the East, Nashville's fifth uh, with 19 and 18 points respectively. Um you know, aside from New England, and we should mention that uh, probably the best team in the East, um, the best team in the league right now is, is Seattle. Obviously, uh, they on Wednesday set a new record for for unbeaten streak to start a season with 13. Um, they're running away with it. New England starting to separate itself in the East. But, Kyle, um, after that, with the possible exception of Orlando up there in second place, it's really bunched up and uh, – there could be a lot of movement here, even in this, you know, this compact series of games over the next month. Well, yeah, if you look, uh, like you said, Philadelphia is three. And then if you go all the way down to Atlanta at, at, at 10th place, they're at 12 points. So, what uh, you know, you're talking about a seven point difference, you know, and you have, uh, you know, what, eight teams there. And even Chicago's, you know, Chicago and Cincinnati are right there at, um, you know, 11 points. Um, you know, obviously Miami at 13 is probably, you know, at the very bottom with Toronto. But, yeah, like you said, it's jumbled up. You know, you have, um, you know, eight, nine, ten teams, you know, fighting, you know, fighting for, you know, five spots. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's pretty uh, jumbled up there. But, I mean, as uh, um, as Jacob said earlier, with the crew having, um, you know, more home games later on in the schedule, hopefully be beneficial. But we also talked about. You know, in the podcast before, uh, you know, the three game stretch of playing Austin and New England and uh, Cincinnati, you're hoping the crew would at least get six points. And now, you know, there's you know, they could either get one, three or even five. So, I've, you know, I think you, you kind of circled or, you know, circled different dates and, and, and things aren't kind of going how how kind of uh, Caleb kind of planned things out at the beginning of the season. Well, injuries have played a part of that. They, I mean, he saw this Gold Cup thing coming. Is this a matter of, like, survive in advance till you get deeper into the summer, Jacob? That's exactly yeah. it. I mean, before the first game at the new stadium, uh, Caleb Porter unprompted even said, you know, to be honest, we're going to have to survive a bit here. And looking at their schedule and kind of predicting, you know, maybe how the Gold Cup is going to go. One, it, we kind of joke with him after it would have helped if Trinidad lost in penalties to – I can't remember whoever they played in their qualifier for gold cup, but that went eight, seven in penalties that probably would have solved a couple issues. Cause that would have brought Molino back. <laughs> they would have had him at winger and they could even play him at forward. But uh, you know, assuming they get out, I think Haiti or Curacao might go out after the group stage two, you look to get those guys back for the Atlanta game on the 24th. So Molino and maybe clubs is healthy by then. So you have some extra winger help. Uh, you could play Molina to forward, so you have two forwards there. Maybe they bring in a forward there. So that's the best case scenario they're in right now. I think as far as getting players back, uh, you would just be have to survive three games without them, and you're playing Cincinnati, a team toward the bottom of the table, and then you have two home games. So mm -hmm. 
I, I guess there is a glass half full here look, but certainly I, I agree with the survive and advance approach. Go ahead, Kyle. I was going to say, Jacob, are there are there any academy players that could be in the mix to be kind of brought up to the first team at all? I mean, I know at the beginning of the year, I think they took uh, five guys, five guys from the academy to some of the preseason um, travel. And, and, and are there anybody that maybe could kind of step up? I think if you're signing in a, an academy guy, and Porter has certainly had the approach, he doesn't want to just sign or play a young player just to do that. He, he thinks they're ready to play. So I, I don't see that as the emergency option for them. Um, what about uh, altering the style of play? What we, we saw from the crew on Saturday um, was a very aggressive team with the high press, and, and they, they were attacking, um, and they had the ball. I think they had 68% uh, uh, possession. Um, is, is this is this something that Caleb might alter? Does he back up the bus here at times over the next few weeks? Jacob? Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely on the table. He even brought up uh, a formation change. And, and I think just looking at who's available, that's certainly on the table, if not maybe preferred what they do until they bring in a, 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 another forward. You could go with a 4-3-3. I don't know how you would do the midfield mm. because you just have kitchen Harrison and, and Nagby who, you know, if one of them goes out, what do you do? But you could play Santos Matan or Zellerayan up top. I do think Zellerayan needs to play higher up the field that, that could probably yeah. help a lot. Nagby bringing the ball up. Um, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely on the table, Mike. And he even brought up maybe playing a two front or just doing a lot of different things. So I, I think this game against Cincinnati is going to be pretty telling. Ah, interesting. Um, as far as the Cold Cup goes, uh, this is a tournament that Burhalter is is not going with his A team. Um, it, it's it's an MLS heavy side. Kyle, um, they're they're in a group with um, Canada, Martinique, and Haiti. Um, that's Group B. Group A is Mexico, El Salvador, Curacao, Trinidad, and Tobago. Those are you're looking at you know, at least two of your favorites, Group C, Costa Rica, Jamaica, Suriname, Guadalupe. Um, I won't go on here, but uh, about Team USA, Kyle, uh, in this particular tournament, do you have any feelings one way or another uh, about their chances? No, I mean, I think it's a good good opportunity for a lot of these MLS players to make, you know, to make a um, a run at, at uh, in the World Cup qualifying roster. I mean, uh, you know, like the goalie we just saw, uh, Matt Turner for New England, you know, I think he's going to get, you know, some play. Um, you know, there's a couple other people like Miles Robinson from Atlanta, uh, James Sand from NYC FC, you know, Sam Vines is another one, you know, on the back line you can see. And then, you know, there's a whole bunch of uh, forwards that are all, you know, including Zardes that are all trying to make a case on who, you know, who might make, you know, some of those uh, World Cup qualifying games. And, and uh, so I think it's a good, good um, opportunity for a lot of the, the younger players who are kind of like the fringe, um, you know, to, to, to make the squad. Although U.S. Uh, beat Mexico in their last outing, um, the CCL final, I believe it was, um, uh, this, there remains pressure on, on the coach, Kyle. Um, um, assess the pressure in relation to what, people think he has to do at this tournament or his team has to do at, at this tournament? Well, of course there's pressure. I mean, they didn't qualify for the world cup last year and, you know, you know, and 
not to mention he has a young squad. I mean, it's not like a veteran squad. You know, all these young guys are 23, 24 and younger. Uh, majority of the of the U.S. starting, um, uh, you know, the senior squad could start for the Olympics if they made the, uh, you know, the Olympics. And they, they obviously did not make the Olympic squad. Again. Um, talking about, uh, yeah, again, uh, you know, uh, uh, under 23. So, I mean, all your, your main stars are, you know, are – in that you know they haven't quite hit their prime yet, but yet there there's more talent than there's ever been in the in the and I think that's what a lot of fans are kind of angry about. But then also you have a cycle uh, of players, you know, from the Will Trapper who didn't quite make you know make it, and so that they're relying on these younger guys who are just kind of starting out. So, um, but yeah, I think there is a lot of pressure, uh, you know, on Greg and and the system that he runs, and you know. Um, it's just you know there's so many foreign born players that they you know, have the dual net the dual citizenships that they're kind of you know yeah. moving into the roster and everything like that but i mean i think they're in a good spot you know um you know moving forward but you know americans we want to always be there and you know i think people are a little worried we might not make it you know to the world cup again and that'd be pretty devastating well I, you know, I think I think they will. We'll, we'll see what happens. But you know, a lot of us had the same thought, Jacob, uh, after the game um, uh, on Saturday in the new stadium here in Columbus. Um, uh, Burhalter was on hand. Uh, uh, I chatted him up a little on the field, but uh, I think a lot of people walking out of that building had that same thought: "Let's okay, let's get Mexico back." I think there's games in October and November. Um, they haven't been officially rewarded. Minnesota has been talked about as, as for, for one of those games. You know, I've heard from uh, unreliable sources um, or sources I don't know whether to rely on that uh, uh, there's a good chance um, that one of those states will be against Mexico will be here. Well, do you have that same feeling, um, uh, Jacob, that that uh, interest has been um, stirred again here and that uh, that U.S. soccer is 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 casting an eye once again toward uh, the spiritual home of the United States national team? The game is November 2nd that you're talking about the home right. game against Mexico for the World Cup qualifying. Absolutely. And I've said this almost from the <laughs> beginning. Know, when that, it when the 12th. That's, Isn't it the 12th? It's November 2nd. Okay. Well, we I, say that emphatically. I, I, only because I looked it up the other day, and, and when the schedule came out, I mean, I said to myself, I might have put it out to all those um, people who unfortunately follow me on Twitter that uh, it would be, be... Don't try to be humble. It would be uh, almost naive or, or just plain dumb of the crew not to pursue that game, to, to have it in, in the stadium. I mean, oh, I, they're, I they're pursuing I, it. There's no doubt about no. that. And, and, and I, I've heard that as well. I, I'm just not sure the level of, I, I guess, I, I'm sure the Federation is interested. But when you think of like the temperature of Minnesota versus Columbus, you might get a colder game or home field advantage, whatever. But yes, they're for certain looking at that game. And it would be very poetic and, and a very awesome atmosphere to oh, have that in the new stadium. Because I'll tell you, that was that was my first impression of the new stadium was that roof holds in all the noise. It was loud in there. It was, uh, it was, uh, like very few outdoor stadium experience experiences I've ever had. Um, and low these many years, lastly, the, the MLS gentlemen, as we wrap here, they played a lot of in week games, um, starting to clear the deck for the weekend. There's, uh, the Copa America final Brazil versus Argentina, the Euro final, Italy and England, 
and uh, of course the start of the gold cup kicking in. So um, that's, that's the weekend. And um, what, what are your thoughts, Kyle, on Brazil, Argentina? You got to go with Brazil. Okay. Jacob. <laughs> to, uh, I have, I haven't really watched much of that tournament, uh, uh, um, but from what I understand, um, you know, everyone's kind of clamming for that moment. Messi can kind of finally get a trophy for Argentina. Right. So maybe, maybe this is the mo- moment. I'll also uh, just pick Argentina despite Neymar. All right. <laughs> and then there's Italy, England. Now, um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Azuri big fan. They've been playing awesome. But that uh, tournament they, has just been they, terrific. I mean, they, they Spain dominated them. They, they snuck through on kicks. Um, it was a heck of a game to watch. Uh, I'm hoping for a bounce back like they bounced back in the uh, in the quarters after kind of a, uh, a poor uh, uh, showing in the round of 16. Um, Italy's going to be there. Great coach. Um, what about England um, is going to uh, crush their fans' spirits for the – Yeah, they are. Many times. <laughs> so they're gonna, there they're they they're are. Gonna call. They're going to get a late call. <laughs> you know what it is? It's, 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 well, they could. They yeah. could if the game is close. I, I can see that. But there they are in Wembley Stadium playing Italy for, for the Euro. And uh, I don't know. It, to me, it's kind of like the Maple Leafs playing at home against Montreal in a playoff series. You know what I mean? Like – there's so much pressure on the Leafs at home just to do anything, just because they haven't done anything for, since like the '60s, like England. You know, it's. Uh, I think I think that's to Italy's advantage, but we'll see. Who do you like in that final cup? Uh, I think England. I think they're gonna get the benefit of the doubt. They're gonna get oh. another like we call, you know, just like they did. And Kane's gonna convert on a PK, and yeah. So, <laughs> how about you, Jacob? I like England's attackers against a older back line for Italy. However, Italy is so technical on the ball that I, I, I love watching them play with the ball. Um, and, and even, you know, I agree, might Spain dominated that game, but Italy Spain was Spain. On, yeah, yeah, Italy t- knew what they were doing and they executed their game plan well. Um, Spain, Spain played like Spain has always played. They had the ball. Yeah, you know, so, absolutely. And, and I, it, Italy survived and advanced. I, I, I'll go with Italy just because I think they've been the better team this year. <laughs> All right. Patrick, do you have any feelings on any of these games? Oh, he's shaking his head. He's not, <laughs> he's not, the, he's not the best man at the game. He's just wanting us to get off here so he can go out on Broadway. No, no, he's got another podcast to do, and, and we've got to get to that. So, gentlemen, for Kyle Robertson, and Jacob Myers are hey, wonderful. You're not gonna, are you guys not going to talk about the, new, the, the stadium and everything? Let's go with, yeah, well, we'll, this is good. We'll wrap up here. Kyle, you just talk about, I guess, your experience in that, the first game. No, I was going to say, I mean, from, from, from being down on field level, I mean, the first, my, my first, the fans are a lot closer than they are at, um, at the old stadium. I mean, I, you know, I was shooting the South stands and literally they are right behind it. So there's very, um, you know, distance from the fans it felt like they were just on top of you the whole entire game which made it so much louder um but yeah i just thought it was like an unbelievable experience and uh you know i don't know how it looked from you guys from up in the press box um but it just kind of felt like almost felt like an epl game or you know bundesliga it just felt like it was like not 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 that the old crew stadium you know historic you know crew stadium was a terrible place but it just felt like we were a real professional, like not just a USA, you know, 
club team. We were like a real soccer team playing in an awesome stadium. I mean, Jossie Zardes explicitly said that. He yeah. said, we actually feel like professional soccer yeah. players, um, which I think is just saying the stadium is top, top notch. Yeah, it was, it was loud. There was a moment in stoppage time in the second half where the, hey, Jossie, can you score a goal mm. chant was ringing throughout the stadium. You could hear it on the broadcast really well, too. Uh, yeah, I, and I think I, it can get louder, too. Oh, I, I agree. That was that was the one thing was it was a uh, it was it was loud. Not much more to add about the oral quality building. It was uh, it was it, it's quite a scene. It's a beautiful building. It's not quite done. The uh, credit card machines crashed. There were subsequent stories of um, concessionaires just handing stuff away. I mean, I run into people, um, uh, including a couple of my kids who were there. It was like, yeah, I got a French dip and. Uh, yeah, they're just throwing beers at me. Uh, uh, not my kids, but uh, so that that was cool. I mean, uh, the the credit card the credit card things did come back online, and and uh, I don't I don't think many people were grumbling because it wasn't it was a pretty it was a, it was a new and uh, rather overwhelming experience uh, to see a soccer game like that in that kind of stadium. And Kyle, if you didn't get down to the north end. Um, which I kind of scouted before the game. Um, you talk about fans being right yeah. on top of the field. I mean, mm -hmm. that that Nordeck is pitched straight up. Um, it's got like fold away uh, benches so that it's made for people to stand up. They even have like cup holders in standing fan range, and and that thing goes straight up. They're almost they're 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 almost on top of like midfield. It it feels like over there, and they were loud. They were loud. When when they started singing "Wise Men Say" mm -hmm. before and after yep. the game, that was uh, I think awesome. a lot of people yeah. got goosebumps. It's uh, it's quite an atmosphere. I think it's only going to get better. And uh, you know, uh, props to D Haslam for going with the uh, the modernistic uh, style of the place, uh, the bold uh, option uh, of the three options they had in front of them. It, it's uh, it's quite a place. It's a it's a it's the last crowning jewel of the Arena District. And uh, that is, as I wrote in a recent column, it has to be uh, one of the, it might be the most spectacular three venue complex in America. So, yeah, I, I think that, I think that's right, Mike. And it, it, imagine what it'll look like in a couple of years when that whole neighborhood's built, it should be even, yeah. even better. It's all, it's, it's, it's about 440 yards from the back of the, uh, uh, from the uh, West Plaza Nationwide Arena past Huntington Park to the East Plaza of, of, of the new Crew Stadium. It's it's all right there. There's nothing outside of Philadelphia that's quite so compact. And that's, you know, three arenas right in, in, a, in a giant parking lot. It's it's a lot different. This is a, a very special thing. And it's it's uh, I can't to see I can't wait to see how it goes forward. A anything else to add, Kyle, since you no. stopped me before? No. All right. I'm that, good. And that's it for Kyle Robertson, the striker and the shield, Jacob Myers. Look up all their stuff at dispatch.com. Jacob, give a shout out of your Twitter handle. At underscore JC Myers. Kyle? Uh, K-Rob photo. Yeah, there's spectacular photos from from uh, the new stadium. Check it out at dispatch.com. Uh, and there at the controls, ready to shut us off, is the Podfather. At the Podfather 2, Patrick Flaherty. Uh, I'm Mike Aries. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again probably oh next week, although I'm on vacation. See you guys.